0: San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors has a new member representing District 1, the Richmond. She's Connie Chan, and she's adamant the Richmond needs more public transportation and more cash assistance for its struggling small businesses. She's also weighing in on property crime, homelessness, and whether JFK Drive in Golden Gate Park should remain car-free. Because this is 2020, you can sometimes hear her second grader, Distance Learning, in the background. Connie Chan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you
1: so much, Heather. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, congratulations on your win. You are about to be the new supervisor of District 1, which is the Richmond. How did you celebrate?
1: Uh, you know, we didn't uh, know where we were at, you know, on election night in terms of
0: yeah, took a few <laughs> election days.
1: results. So we ended up, um, took a while, but we celebrated, I would say, you know, at our campaign office um, with. Every supporters that we have uh, that was able to make it on the, on the on Monday, um, a week ago,
0: and after it was kind of back and forth between you and Marjana Howard day to day with one leading and then the other leading. How did it feel when it was finally resolved? <laughs> it took several days. Yes,
1: uh, it was it was a relief, but also surreal because it took a few mm-hmm. days. So you know, you yeah. y- you still kind of uh, was thinking. You know, I was thinking. How many more votes were still out there? Is this really it? And, uh, you know, should we wait? Uh, but I want to say that, you know, Mar-John, uh Sunday evening, um, she conceded and uh, had kindly sent me uh, a message, you know, congratulatory message. Uh, and so I appreciated that.
0: Unlike our president, right? <laughs> uh, well,
1: yes. Uh, well, Absolutely. <laughs>
0: He still hasn't acknowledged that he lost, but that's beside the point. So you're coming into office at one of the worst times in recent San Francisco history. Uh, What is it like to take this job as the city is still steering itself through a pandemic and we have a, a third surge now, as well as, you know, a major economic problems and so many businesses and restaurants closing and you're coming in to help solve this. So. You know, kind of a lot of <laughs> a lot of weight on your shoulders, yeah. As well thank as you, else's Thank well.
1: you so much for recognizing that. You know, um, I think that I would be in a place uh, of a, a lot of anxiety if it weren't for the fact that I've been working in city government for the last fifteen years and also been through the two thousand and eight recession uh, while working for city government and understand just the mechanism, at least, you know, uh, how city government works uh, when it comes to allocating its budget and and workers and services. So in some way, just having that understanding uh, really helps me, um, you know, try to tackle the issues and just, but I, I do know it's it's hard work. It's going to be a lot of hard work, um, but I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh,
0: what are you hearing from Rich- Richmond District residents as the city is entering this, this third surge and is pulled back in terms of indoor dining and capacity at? gyms and public schools still aren't open. And, you know, um, pe- the mayor and public health director are warning of a, a long, dark winter.
1: Um, so what are you hearing from neighbors
0: in terms of how they're
1: I mean, it's a lot with of anxiety. This? I mean, I think that I, I, I don't know if you could tell, but you, you can probably hear my son in the background. You know, he's doing his distance learning. <laughs> he's a second yeah. grader at <laughs> Lafayette Elementary, you know. Um, so I think that oh, a lot wow. of working families are sharing that concern already for the last uh many months during shelter in place try to hold on to your job and try to like take care of your family Uh, in in the future is not clear uh, about when we're going to return to school when we're going to return to work uh, you know in full capacity but also most importantly you know for many of our small businesses like how do they sustain and and all kinds of small businesses so those are the worries um, that the richmond residents really have How do we stay housed? How do we stay healthy? How do we make sure that our beloved small businesses can stay open and uh, making sure that our diverse and unique community stay intact in in the Richmond?
0: And the Richmond has some of my favorite commercial corridors. Wanted to give a shout out to Green Apple Books and the Balboa Theater. Um, What are you hearing from small businesses in your district? You know, are they just hanging on by a thread? How many have closed? Um, What is kind of the future of those corridors. If you lose a few, you know, the rest could.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that, that this is the moment where um, why it is so critical for, you know, our residents and our small businesses do come together and have these conversations, making sure that we support each other, making sure that we support our neighbors and our small businesses. And I think you can see too, You, I think you you are a great supporter of our Papua Theater and Green Apple, you know, and but you see that there's a lot of love for our small businesses in Richmond. Mm -hmm. I think that our residents and our, you know, I think San Franciscans really across the city are doing whatever they can, you know, to come out and visit and to support small businesses. And I think that's what we need to continue to do. But um, I think City Hall definitely has a responsibility to make sure that we ease this burden for small businesses um, and continue to support them uh, however way we can. But I think we really need to figure out a way to leverage our local resources to to tackle the issue uh, to get both state and federal assistance, uh, both on the public health fund, but uh, as well as to uh, assistance for our small businesses.
0: And I know that property crime in San Francisco has spiked um, recently, particularly with home burglaries. And I know many small businesses in your district have been vandalized, including the Toy Toy Boat Cafe, and I've heard of some others. Um, What do you think the city needs to do I think that,
1: you know, um, it is uh, a very regrettable situation. Uh, when it comes to property crime, uh, it, it's very challenging uh, to tackle in a sense where, um, while we're grateful that uh, most of the time that during these property crime that no one is physically hurt, it's definitely uh, a violation for, uh, for a lot of people, uh, both on the residents and, and business. And so I think that it is critical to talk about, uh, you know, uh, how do we support them in a way that is a is technology, um, it is uh, reporting that is more ref- efficient and in real time, that really allow our law enforcement to find a more strategic way to tackle property crime um, and be able to allocate resources in a way uh, to to support these uh, businesses in a way that is not invasive. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you think that the police department and district attorney's office are doing enough to respond to property crime?
1: I think that property crime, when it comes to, um, you know, I I obviously have worked at the district attorney's office uh, for some years. However, (laughs) I cannot claim an expert when it comes to really uh, crime uh, reduction or awareness. Um, But I do think that uh, when it comes to property crime, again, it is uh, a a community effort as well, uh, besides law enforcement, uh, to figure out uh, there are ways uh, I work for San Francisco safe, which stands for San Francisco safety awareness for everyone as a community organizer. I think there are technology, there are techniques that um, we can help support and provide uh, to our businesses to make sure that uh, we reduce property crime.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with what technology you're referring to. Is there something specific or?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they have like a business like survey, like it's a way to make sure that, you know, your doors, uh, sensor lights, uh, could it be uh, maybe in um, surveillance camera at a more strategic uh, position without, again, you know, invading mm-hmm. your community, the privacy of your community. I think there are ways that, you know, to hopefully help reduce property crime. Again, you know, um, I-, I-, I think I really do look to the law enforcement who to- really work with the community mm-hmm. to find ways to provide those support.
0: Okay. And homelessness has been at crisis levels in San Francisco for a long time, but it seems especially bad now with so many people pushed out of shelters for social distancing, and now hotels are going to start closing as well. Um, how would you approach the, the crisis of homelessness in San Francisco?
1: I think that the reason uh recently that when we started out with the crisis response team uh, where there we have you know firefighter paramedic and social worker and you know healthcare experts as a team to go out to uh, provide assistance uh, in immediate care I think that's a good start and mm-hmm. I think we need to continue to invest that I, uh, I have talked about this before. I really do believe the best way to solve homelessness is to prevent it from happening in the first place. Mm-hmm. I think that means it is to invest in, you know, food and housing uh, and public health security for um, many individuals. Uh, and that's especially working families, so that we let's make sure that they stay housed, that they stay healthy, uh, and not become uh, the victim of homelessness. However, you know, for those already are suffering homelessness, you know, on our street, I think that right now, we need to figure out um, a regional approach, a regional approach, very similarly uh, to what we have been doing, uh, tackling the pandemic which which is a unprecedented public health crisis and what we should look at homelessness is as such it is a public health crisis so let's make sure that we coordinate our effort and have a regional approach and um, in partnership to again, you know, advocate for state and federal resources and funding so that we can provide um, appropriate care, but also sufficient care, um, you know, for the homeless individuals that we have right now on our street. Um, And, you know, uh, definitely compassionate but common sense solutions and to make sure that when we approach uh, our homeless individuals that we, we actually understand their needs is and to understand not a, not a one size fit all approach would work to know that where they're at meet, let's meet them where they're at. There are homeless seniors, um, you know, or families, and, you know, and then those sometimes that may have mental health issue, or, you know, uh, drug addiction problems. So but but they're not all the same. And so we need to approach them individually and making sure that we meet their needs and meet where they're at so that we can truly get them housed uh, permanently.
0: We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth Admission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com pod. Drug overdose deaths are at an all-time high in San Francisco, um, more than three times as many people have died of drug overdoses in San Francisco this year as have died of COVID-19. Um, what do you think the city should do differently?
1: I think that the city needs to continue to invest in public health. And when I talk about public health, um, it's the reason why I, I, I have become a, a really uh, a true believer when it comes to uh, Medicare for all um and that to understand that to invest in in our uh working families and in investing in our communities on the front end when it comes to public health to make sure that uh, they are well taken care of generally you know general health care that we can really prevent a lot of um break, breakdown and episodes down the road that that it's what we see today um especially when it comes to drug addiction and that problem. So that that's what i see that we need to invest in in healthcare uh, in our healthcare system.
0: Do you think law enforcement should play a stronger role in terms of drug dealers cuz right now um, the district attorney's mm-hmm. office prosecutes 80% but usually it just ends with a stay away order you know from the particular corner or block where they were selling and um right now with fentanyl being the the major drug um, that's killing so many people. Yeah. Um, apparently, the D- Tenderloin police know the eight most problematic uh, fentanyl dealers, but they just keep
1: getting released. Yeah, I I think that is a, a national issue. Frankly, it's not just a San Francisco right. issue. Tragically, um, so what I really see uh, in in again, you know, it's it's my basic understanding about law enforcement, uh, and from a learned approach is that, you know, there's also the reason why we have misdemeanor and felony, and to understand that, you know, when people commit crime, and uh, to which degree and with to what, uh, you know, punishment they should receive. And it is uh, why we do need criminal justice reform, uh, because we see that, you know, uh, most of the time that it disproportionately hurting a population that um, actually need help otherwise, uh, not jail. Um, So the way I see it is that, again, we need to talk about reform in a way that law enforcement will focus on most violent crime, uh, and including when it comes to drug trade, to actually see that uh, drug trade on a bigger scale. Uh, and then to be able to also understand that uh, when it comes to low-level offense, that we need to figure out uh, treatment, we need to figure out uh, education, we need to figure out outreach um, and as alternative to make sure that uh, they don't reoffend.
0: Mm-hmm. And what are your top priorities for
1: the Richmond district specifically? Uh that would be my favorite topic to <laughs> <laughs> otherwise uh you know i i I have uh thoughts, but not too sure if I can claim expertise um but this one uh yeah, you know i I have a lot of hope and um uh for the Richmond we have a lot of stuff that's going on that is really good uh we love our neighborhood commercial corridors, uh, we need to keep them going. We need to keep supporting our small businesses. Uh, priority will also be you know, making sure that tenants, You know, we have 65% of tenants in the Richmond district, uh, but we also have homeowners that are on fixed income. Let's make sure that they stay housed. Um, as, and also as a member uh, of the 11 uh, members of the board of supervisors, that I wanna make sure that I contribute and continue to um, talk about the budget, balancing the budget, making sure we maintain a level of city services, especially public transit and clean streets for the Richmond uh, to make sure that we continue to serve our constituents uh, equitably. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you think JFK Drive and Golden Gate Park should
1: remain closed to cars permanently? I believe that we should have a conversation. um, But ultimately, I really believe that and I always have because I, I have work at Rec and Park um, in San Francisco, and I really love our park system. I, I am a firm believer that parks are for people, they're not for cars, and that's including Golden Gate Park. Um, but I also understand, you know, at Golden Gate Park, it's a world known park, uh, you know, it's an iconic park, many people want to come and visit and uh, we need to make sure that it remains accessible to a lot of people. So um, how can we do that? How can we make sure that that still happens uh, when we allow uh, JFK uh, Drive to remain car-free? Mm-hmm. So you would
0: support car-free if disabled people can access it? Uh,
1: yes, absolutely. Okay. And, and also also make it accessible for people who are coming across town, right? Like Chinatown or Bayview. You know, they don't have to spend an entire day on public transit to get to Golden Gate Park to enjoy the park. Mm-hmm. So let, let's make sure that it's accessible.
0: And do you, what do you think of the Slow Streets program? And I know Lake Street in your district has been closed to through traffic. Do you support that continuation
1: permanently? Uh, and, and 23rd Avenue. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, 23rd Avenue and Cabrillo. Uh-huh. Um, our slow streets program. Uh, yeah, I think that like, it's great. Uh we should continue, um, again, with public inputs, with community input, uh, you know, uh, pandemic, it's uh, created a very unprecedented situation for us to be able to do some of these things. And, uh, and it's great and allow people to experiment uh, and see what the neighborhood could look like with slow street. And now that we have that taste and the experience, um, so can we can we keep going? And I think that's a question more for our community uh, to decide together than for me to answer alone. Um, but I, I look forward to contributing to that conversation, too.
0: And um, as you mentioned earlier, we can hear your second grader <laughs> in the background, which is awesome. Okay. Um, some city leaders, including Mayor Breed and Supervisor Ronan and um, the current uh, district one, Supervisor Sandra Fewer, are pushing for the public school district to reopen a lot mm-hmm. faster. Um, but there has been pushback from... From other groups, and I was wondering what you think is the right answer when it comes to when the public school district
1: should reopen. I know a parent who I um she she's uh she's a teacher for Presidio Middle School, and uh she has a great daughter and that uh, same class as my son after uh, in first grade and just uh, oh, first grade. i sorry, <laughs> yeah, first, first grade. So, okay. last so was last spring, right? We all were just like. How is this going to work? And I saw her just trying so hard to teach and take care of her, her daughter at that time and uh, and recognizing how hard it is for everybody, you know, for our teachers, for our teachers, for our parents, too, <laughs> and parents, you know, all of us. Um, I, I definitely think we we need to work hard to reopen schools Um it's also, it's really for the well-being, I think, for the health and the well-being of our kids. Uh, uh, at least I know that mine really need that in-person uh, love and care from, from the teacher and really, you know, and in, in the social setting uh, to, to hang out with um, classmates and learning how to do group activities. Um, so it's critical, but I also understand we, we have to be guided by the data and the science uh, to make sure that we do uh, o- reopen safely, you know, I do think, uh, if I may be so frank, that I do find that public school system during this pandemic as spread, even including in San Francisco, uh, one of the richest city in the world, that we lack so much resources uh, to actually reopen safely. I think that is what something that we we, we haven't really talked about that. Why can't we reopen uh, and, then, and then realizing that the lack of investment for decades in our public school system? And obviously, you know, it's a much bigger conversation um, for the long term that why and how much we need to continue to invest in our public schools.
0: Yeah. Well, you survived my serious questions and now it's time for the lightning round. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito?
1: I don't really eat burritos. What?
0: <laughs> Good thing you didn't say that before the election. I well, I know, but I eat
1: tacos. <laughs> okay. Well, you can say for tacos. I know. I, uh, I uh, Tacos. I definitely eat tacos. Uh, I want to say that it's like, you know, in our neighborhood, but I, I actually end up really loving the taco truck um, by Best Buy. Uh-huh. Oh, under yeah. the bridge <laughs> uh let me explain why it's because i love lengua tacos which is uh beef tongues Ooh, i've never tried that <laughs> and it's it's and and Gordels in the richmond or you know any anywhere in the richmond doesn't quite offer uh <laughs>
0: where's your what is your favorite movie filmed
1: in san francisco <sighs> um i want to say uh because it just also reminds me of Sean Connery, who just recently passed. Yeah. But this moment is probably The Rock. Yeah, that's a good one.
0: Uh, where's your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink?
1: Oh, uh, Hockey Haven. Oh, yeah. By the Balboa. By the Balboa. It's the perfect, <laughs> it's the perfect thing. Like, I, I mean, my partner and I, we go to like, well, this is before pandemic. You know, go for a date. Like, you can eat. Like dinner right there, you go for a drink yeah. and you walk right into Balboa for a movie.
0: We actually screened The Rock at the Balboa last That's year. Right. And then we went across the street to Hockey Haven. So <laughs> good answers. What was your first concert?
1: The Cure. Mm. What was the last <laughs> book you read? The last book, not Finish or Finish? Either one. Uh, So Finish is a skin... Above My Knees hmm. uh, by Marsha Butler. And it's actually a recommended book by um by uh the the Richmond uh library
0: mm-hmm.
1: cool. uh, staff. And then uh the one that I have halfway through is uh Malcolm Gladwell, um How to Talk to Stranger. Okay. I started out that because I was like, oh, if I'm on campaign trail, I'm talking to a lot of people." <laughs> That's true. How, how, how do I make it work? And it's a signed <laughs> copy. Uh, from Oh, Green, nice. Oh, cool. Yeah, from, from Green Apple. Uh,
0: what is something about San Francisco politics that drives you nuts? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, someone has told me once, and I find it true, and, I, I, and uh, is that for every thought that we have as San Franciscan, there is a group formed behind it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: True.
0: <laughs> a lot so, of ideology. <laughs> yes. Uh, who is your all-time favorite San Francisco politician?
1: Um the one that is alive. I <laughs> it could say. be dead or alive. <laughs> right. Uh I think I think if I say Kamala Harris, it will be a little bit too cheesy because I work for her. Um and, uh, but probably Kamala
0: Harris. Wow, that's a good one. I mean, first woman vice president.
1: I know. I know. Like, I was just like, oh, it's kind of cliche, you know, cause I work for her, but I, I just have to say it is her because just again, you know, the first black and right. Southeast Asian. Yeah. woman. Just, just super awesome.
0: Totally. If you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the Richmond, what would it be?
1: Uh, to to expand and, um, and increase, uh, all the bus services.
0: Yeah. What are you most looking forward to about the pandemic ending? What is something you're not allowed to do now that you really want to do?
1: Oh, um, someone asked me that. And then I realized later that night, what I really wanted to do is, do you know, um, hot pot? Uh Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and I, that's something I really want oh, to really do a pot pot yeah. dinner with all my friends and family and not have to worry about pandemic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day?
1: Talk to my son. Oh, great! Right, kind of. I think all mom like yeah. feels
0: that way. Yeah,
1: connect with your kid.
0: <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a lot of fun to talk to you. Thank you, Heather. I really appreciate you. And uh, sorry for all the background noises. No, it's real. It's it's real life 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Congratulations again. And I'm sure I will be talking to you after January.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Thank you to Connie Chan for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening.